Today's episode of Phanthropological World is brought to you by Stamps. When you have a message that needs to travel around the world, think of Stamps. For more information about this episode, check out phanthropological.com slash world. Hey Nick, how did you get this show anyway? I heard they had to let the last group of hosts go. Oh. Why, Dexter, I'm glad you asked. At the Phanthropological Institute, we want to make sure we have the best and brightest when it comes to discussing fandom. And when it comes to fandom, none of them are anywhere near Nick Fry the fandom guy. We have certain standards of excellence here. Ah, jeez, Nick. What the heck are we doing today? I was out so late last night, the room's still spinning. Good morning to you too, Shakespeare. Take a look at this. Whoa, what am I looking at? Some sort of mini-portrait of the queen? <laughs> yes. No, Shakespeare, it's small and flat and sticky. Uh-oh. Hey, oh, I've heard of this one before. It's a stick. No, my dear friend. Let me address the situation. It's a stamp. Of course. We must be talking about philatelists. Those are fans of stamps and postal history in general. That's 100% correct. Philatelists. Stamp collecting? Well, why didn't you say so? I know a thing or two about sending packages to people. Oh, it's more than just stamp collecting. The phantom of stamp collecting goes way, way back. Back all the way to the mid-19th century. We're talking the same time as the beginnings of the telegraph, safety pins, and the first steam locomotives. But it makes sense that it goes back that far, because poachers' stamps didn't even exist until 1840, and weren't popular until the mid-1850s. Back then, even though there were some collectors early on, people didn't really have a reason for collecting the stamps. So they often been used for pasting wallpaper. Wow! That'd be a pretty expensive decorator's tool. What did they call it back then? Well, stamp collecting, as Shakespeare calls it, didn't start gaining steam until the middle of the century. It was pretty popular across Europe, in particular in France. The French had a word for it that literally means stamp quest. Hey, oh, how you say? Timbromanie. Shakespeare. You speak French? Hey, I said I know a thing or two about sending packages. What if you yutzes think I meant? Sorry about that, friend. Nah, it's okay. It just grinds my gears when people start dissing the hobby of my late pal, George Herpin. Rest in power, buddy. (laughs) George Herpin? A French stamp collector? Bingo, Mr. Smarty Pants. I was a big stamp collector at the time and was like, yo, I can't express in words how I feel about stamp collecting, and stamp quest is dumb. Or something like that, except in French, because he was a Frenchie. Anyway, guy coins the word philatelie, which takes from Greek or something. Kind of weird, given he's a Frenchie, am I right? Lots of words we use today have Greek root words, like bibliophile, someone who loves books. In the case of philatelie, it actually comes from two Greek root words, phil meaning an attraction or affinity for something, and atelia, meaning exempt from duties and taxes. Put the two together and... You get philatelie. Hey, and bada bing bada boom. Other words drop like when I drop the kids off at the pool. Know what I mean? Timbromania, timbrophily, timbrology. All gone by the end of the 1860s. 
I'd say that's a first-class way to fast-track the history of this fandom. Hey, did you know? Before some freaking genius invented postage stamps, you had to pay to receive mail. Can you imagine getting a bill and having to pay to find out how much you owe? What a load that would have been. Did you know? There are famous philatelists from rock stars like Freddie Mercury and John Lennon to actors like James Earl Jones and even important members of state like French President Nicolas Sarkozy, American President Franklin D. Roosevelt, and English Queen Elizabeth II. Yeah, but they's all old dead. What do they know about stamp collecting that we don't, eh? Did you know? The most popular U.S. stamp sold over 120 million copies. It was a 1993 stamp of the king of rock and roll himself, Elvis Presley. Thank you. Thank you very much. I wonder if that tells us more about philatelists or fans of Elvis, though. Hmm. Now, those are some things you know. And don't you freaking forget it, all right? Hey, Nick. What exactly do philatelists do anyway? They collect stamps. Is that all there is to it? While philatelists primarily collect postage stamps, it actually encompasses a huge set of other things. Within the philatelist community, there are actually many smaller branches of fandom. For example, aeronophilia, the study of objects that look like postage stamps but aren't. Like the Easter seals you might receive in the mail. Or revenue philately, which deals with the stamps that are used to collect fees or used to indicate authenticity by a governing body. There's even aerophilately. Ooh, ooh, I know this! Uh, that's, that's postal history that specializes in airmail. Envelope, please. Indeed it is, and there are many other branches as well. While collecting is an important aspect of it all, it might almost help to think of flawless as students of stamps. Each stamp that's made has particular characteristics. The paper used, how it's printed, the adhesive used, and how the stamps themselves separate, just to name a few. And at this point, there are hundreds of thousands of these. Millions! All with different designs and flaws and shapes. Philatelists catalog and identify all these different elements for their own enjoyment and record this small parcel of our past. I suppose you could say they've left their stamp on history. Yo, Nick. I got some bone to pick with you. Anthropological World is a show about fandoms and fandom-like related issues, but I ain't seeing none of that around here. What do you mean, Shakespeare? Fan is a self-descriptive term. If you like something, and say you're a fan of something, that's all there is to it. You're a fan. Now see, that's the thing. On a given day, me or my associates would say we're collectors of stamps. Maybe, if I'm feeling fancy, I'll throw out some 10-euro French words and say I'm a philatelist. People being like, get a load of this guy with his big words. He's gotta know something about them stamps. I ain't ever saying I'm a fan of stamp collecting. It's just something I do. It's something that I am. And and I ain't ashamed no more. There, there, Shakespeare. You must be talking about the academic idea of fandom and participatory culture. While scholars have many different ideas of what defines fandom, one key element they can all agree on is that fans are different from the general consumers of creative media because they also produce it. Put another way, fans are fans because they make stuff. Art, music, literature, all sorts of different creative work that relate to whatever media those fans are interested in. Fandom is fan culture where folks produce work that transforms the original. 
it's, well, transformative. Transformative? <laughs> I ain't no robot in disguise. Though uh, it'd be pretty sweet if I could turn into some sort of Mack truck. Oh, so long traffic. <laughs> Take that, losers. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I ain't getting it. The only time I ever made any sort of work as a stamp collector is that one time my cousin Vinny offered me a wad of cash to stay quiet when we made some very convincing, uh, how do you say, uh, uh yeah, forgeries. Be that as it may, on this show we define fandom more broadly. In addition to a transformative fandom, there's the idea that other activities make up being a fan. For example, collecting, gaining knowledge, being engaged as a spectator. These are things we might call curative fandom because instead of transforming the original, you're curating it, putting it on display, or choosing to reveal what you know about it. Fascinating. Did you also know that up until recently, that transformative part of fandom that you have been talking about hadn't been considered worthy of academic study? I did not. Wow, Shakespeare, there's a lot I don't know about you. There's real depth in there. And now, you know. Anyway, turns out that thing with Cousin Vinny is catching up with me. So, uh, I'll see you in three to six. Great working with you, Nick. Hey, yo! Hands off the merchandise! I guess that's just as well, because we're out of time. That's it for our show. Thanks for listening. If you'll excuse me, I've got some revenue philately to research. Court fees aren't cheap, and we really can't afford to get Shakespeare out of jail again. See ya! Produced in association with The Nixcast. Find out more about this and other productions at thenixcast.com. You it's too stereotypical, uh... Even though this is a voice, it's a terrible cartoonian, cartoony impression. And now I am Dexter. Dexter is cookie. Oh, bleh, I am Tim Brony. Transylvanian My Little Pony fan extraordinaire. Now I'm becoming French again, which was the original intent. And now it's even worse. Uh, hey, oh, I'm an amateur voice actor here something. Hey. What even is an Italian accent? Because, I mean, Italy is just a bunch of nation-states, yo. Coming in together, city-states even. A-O. Man, don't you freaking for... Hmm. Hmm. Don't you freaking forget it. Gotta go pack the car, wicked smart. Don't you freaking... Uh, uh, freaking... Freaking forget it.